Inside a rough and ruthless newsroom, thousands of stories fight for the spotlight. Only a few survive past their 15 minutes of fame. So what makes for a good headline and what makes for a buried byline? Join us, two former TV news producers, as we dig up stories that never got the recognition or justice they deserve. I'm Mallory Wilson. I'm Megan DeLucine. And this is Buried Bylines. <laughs> so I, I started Vanderpump Rules. Yeah. I'm on season two. Mm-hmm. I hate everyone. Season two is when things start to get super juicy. Yeah. I mean, it was Lots pretty juicy drama. in the first one. Lots of drama. Ugh. Yeah, I don't like any yeah. of them. I'm not rooting for any of them. But in the first season, the drama is basically just between, like, Jax and Stassi. And, and Stassi versus everyone else. Yeah. And in this season, it's like... Everyone gets involved in the drama. Oh, man. And that's just kind of, and then it snowballs, and that's just kind of how it is for, like, all the rest of the seasons. Like, okay, some sort of drama, Between mostly people, people cheating on each other. <laughs> well, it's a good thing to have on if you're just, like, folding laundry or, like, doing something, because it's just oh. mindless TV. <laughs> fully, I was fully dedicated and immersed in this show for three (laughs) weeks straight until I got like fully caught up yep but anyway dedicate yourself yeah anyway we have a true crime podcast we do (laughs) we do uh buried bylines I I, we don't ever say our name I realized ever I know I'm like should we be saying like welcome back to buried bylines or something I don't know that feels so formal I know Uh, we'll figure something out but I'm Megan I'm Mallory. Yeah, wait, I just realized we never do this. Never, never. We're like 15 episodes in and we've never done this. Holy shit. I know. Wait, are we bad at this? (laughs) Are we actually bad at this after 15 years? Well, I just told you I used the microphone wrong this whole time. So we're learning. We're learning. Microphones are tricky. I'll give you that. Like That's true. Yeah, we'll work our names into it somehow. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Um, Okay, so today's case is a doozy. I had never heard of it before I started becoming interested in true crime and listening to, like, all the true crime podcasts. Uh, This one really makes me ask, why did this not blow up? Because it has all the makings of a case that could blow up. Okay. So... Today, we're going to talk about the mysterious disappearance of Teresa Ann Beer. Never heard of her. Never heard of her. Never heard of her. Okay. So, it might start sounding familiar once we get into the details, but I don't know. Okay. Um, So, I thought this would be easy to research since I've listened to so many true crime podcasts about it. It seems like a lot of the, like, mainstream true crime podcasts has an episode on this case. Um, But with a quick Google search, there were two articles that came up in the news category. So that was fun. Did you put put newspapers.com to work? I did. (laughs) And all I found was the Fresno Bee. So bless the Fresno Bee, all of my research. So there is a Reddit thread, which is interesting. (laughs) 
I'll get into that a little bit later. As I mentioned, some podcasts have covered this, including Keep It Weird, Never Found, Never Forgotten, Crimecasters Network, Missing, Gone, and others. So it is out there, but it seems like it's only getting traction in the true crime world and the blogging world. There are a lot of spooky blogs about this because it's very mysterious. Uh, Because again, elements of this story are so strange, I don't know how the fuck this did not blow up. Yeah, and we're going to put our news perspective on it. Yes. We're going to look at this through a news lens. Yes. And considering it seems very hyper-local. Yes. Should be fun. We'll start with the facts. Most, if not all of them, come from articles in the Fresno Bee. So thank you so much. Shout out Fresno Bee. (laughs) I want a t-shirt that says that. And (laughs) to, to be super crystal clear... Some of my sources are blogs and podcasts, so I'm going to try to cross, or I tried to cross-check the facts that I read with the official facts from police, the news archives, and the Doe Network. So I will make it clear when I'm talking about speculation, just putting that out there now. There's not a ton of information, but the speculation that I do have, I read in multiple places. So just putting that out there. So we'll start off with an article in the Fresno Bee. In 1987, this all started when 16-year-old Teresa Ann Beard did not show up for school on June 1st. She was a student at Central High School in Fresno, California. So it seems like from what I've read, Teresa's home life wasn't the greatest. Her parents were separated, were reportedly living out of state, so she didn't seem to have a lot of supervision. I read in multiple places not official sources, that she was taken from her parents by social services due to abuse. Again, nothing official. I just saw it in multiple places, like most of the blogs. According to that Fresno Bee article, Teresa was described as, quote, a slow learner and immature for her age. She had been living with foster parents and different family members since she was about four or five years old, which is really sad. She probably didn't have many people looking out for her, and I'm I'm not sure if she did have a learning disability or not, because slow learner in 1980s speak is probably like she had a learning disability, sure. in my opinion. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> um, probably right on the money with that one. Yeah, so she seems to have had a lot of instability in her life, so I'm sure that has a lot to do with how she acted, how she was in a learning environment, things like that. So she'd most recently been living with her uncle and guardian, 42-year-old John Richmond, also known as Blind Johnny because he couldn't see very well. (laughs) This was in the newspaper. Yeah. Not in the newspaper. Called out in the newspaper. I know. I know. He is the one that reported her missing on the night of June 1st when she didn't come home. Off the top, I'm not sure if police ever suspected her uncle. He was never questioned or named a person of interest or anything, but he is in her life, so I assume they did question him. I wanted to note that this is complete speculation. Again, not confirmed, all alleged. I read there were some allegations floating around about her uncle involving Teresa, which I hope isn't true. Um, Never confirmed, so I'm not going to go into detail, but allegations are out there just wanted to what you have to say what kind of allegations well they were like sexual abuse allegations but like I don't want to like tarnish this man if that's not true but I did it's not you you didn't 
write it. You read That's it. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I read it and then I put it out into the public. <laughs> They're allegations. Speculation. People... Speculation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just thought it was worth noting since it was mentioned a couple times. So she was described as about five feet, five inches tall, weighing 105 pounds, with hazel eyes, dark shoulder length hair. She had a surgical scar on her right lower leg. She was last seen wearing a white t-shirt, blue jeans, and laced sandals. The Fresno Police Department released a photo of Teresa on the 12th of June. So that's 11 days after she was reported missing. Then the police department dropped this bomb. She was last seen with a 43-year-old man named Russell Skip Welch. He reportedly offered her a ride to school that day, June 1st, so that they could go look for Bigfoot. <laughs> Literally none of that makes sense. I know. <laughs> and it just gets weirder from here. Okay. He reportedly offered her a ride to school that day, June 1st, so that they could again go look for Bigfoot. But according to an article in the Claremont Sun, Teresa had reportedly told friends she planned to skip school to look for Bigfoot on June 1st. So it appears that this was not like just a coincidence, like it was planned from the beginning. This is not a visual medium, but I'm rolling my eyes I so know. hard. You rolled your head with your <laughs> eyes. <sighs> so Mallory's not buying it. Police don't seem to be either. Let's get into Russell Welch. According to the Fresno Bee, he is a self-proclaimed student of Bigfoot who claims to have sighted more than one Bigfoot at different times and locations. Your face when I said student of Bigfoot was That's my face when thing. I read student of Bigfoot. That's not a thing. I'm like, sorry. Is, is Bigfoot teaching him? I hate to break it to you, but that's not real. And also, I can already tell that I'm going to hate the rest of this story. Yeah, you are. Yeah. But, like, student of Bigfoot, is that you're getting taught by Bigfoot or, like, you're you're an expert? Student of Bigfoot, in grammar terms, I feel like means that like you... Bigfoot is your teacher. Bigfoot is your teacher. <laughs> but if Bigfoot was one real and two your teacher then you probably wouldn't have to go searching for him that's true in a later fresno b article police said welch says there's a commune of bigfoot big feet bigfoot <laughs> i don't know what's the plural of big i don't know bigfoots <laughs> bigfoots or big feet i don't know and they are able to communicate with each other According to Welch, they're normally seven to nine feet tall with dark, short hair. I'm not saying there isn't a Bigfoot, but I don't believe a goddamn word this man says. No, and I don't believe it because I don't believe there's a Bigfoot. <gasps> there could be. You don't know. I'm taking a stance. I don't uh -oh. believe. Uh-oh. <laughs> Get mad at me. I don't care. <laughs> a Medium article reports... He was a house painter that mostly lived off disability checks. He was also reportedly a heavy meth user. Oh, okay. So he was hallucinating seeing Probably. Bigfoot. More than likely, allegedly, yes. Got it. So it's this is like very like the saddest part because Teresa, the way she was described, seemed to be like a gullible person. Police said they talked to Teresa's peers. They said she told them they were going to the mountains to look for Bigfoot and was really excited about it. So she she believed this man and trusted him enough to, like, go alone to the mountains with him, which is really sad. Is he, like, a family friend or something? How does she know this 
40 year old. Yes. So we'll get into it a little bit later, but a newspaper described him and the uncle as slight acquaintances, which confused me. But the connection there is the uncle. But we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Later, according to the Fresno Bee, Detective Stokes said they found out Welch was familiar with the Sierra country between Yosemite and Madeira. They contacted multiple law enforcement agencies in those areas, giving Teresa's description, asking them to be on the lookout. They also provided a description of Welch's vehicle, a two-door tan over brown 1977 Monte Carlo. On June 5th, Detective Stokes said Madeira Sheriff's deputies spotted the car parked in a remote area near North Fork, but it was unoccupied. And then when officers went to check on it several hours later, it was gone. Why didn't they just stay there? I don't know. I don't know. So then they were on the lookout for Welch as they couldn't find him. They eventually did find him at his mom's house and he was taken into custody on an outstanding warrant, which charged him with failing to appear in court for a DUI. So that's what they got him in on. Stokes, this guy sounds like a loser. Yeah, major loser for sure. Stokes said Welch indicated he would cooperate with them. According to police, Welch claimed he last saw Teresa on June 2nd, one day after they had arrived and camped out near Shut Eye Peak. It's a rugged area about 25 miles northeast of Bass Lake in Madeira County for anyone listening from California. I have no idea what that means. Welch apparently told police he and Teresa had seen Bigfoot multiple times before she wandered off on her own to find Bigfoot. He told police he then looked for her for two days, gave up, returned to Fresno, and didn't tell anyone she was missing. So right away, we have several red Sasquatch-sized flags. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) One of which I'd like to point out, which is not the biggest one, but the sheriff deputies that have lived in the area for their entire lives have never heard of any Bigfoot sightings in the area ever. My eyes are going to be in the back of my head (laughs) by the end of this episode. I know. So there were rumors of sightings in the Sierra Nevada mountains as a whole, but that's a giant area. They were never in this specific location. Speaking of the legendary creature, police said Welch told them he thought Bigfoot might have something to do with her disappearance. Okay. Or (laughs) just blame it on the mythical creature. I know. Or that she left the area with another camper. So, which is it, dude? Pick a story. Like, Second one sounds more realistic. I know. So on June 11th, Welch led officers to a mountain campsite near Shut Eye Peak. He said that's where he and Teresa set up camp before she disappeared. Police eventually searched the area and found Teresa's purse and several articles of clothing that had belonged to her, but they didn't find any other signs of her. And here comes my favorite cop quote of all time I've ever read. From Fresno Police Detective Doug Stokes. He said, quote, We also didn't find any evidence of any super being, subhuman, or any unknown creature. (laughs) Just have to put that out there. The shade. I love it. So right away, police aren't buying it. Neither am I. This is the craziest story I've ever heard in my life. They conducted a full-scale search on June 12th and 13th. They brought in um, bloodhounds, police on horseback, a helicopter, but they found nothing. Police would later say they suspected foul play, which the... The area in which this campsite was located was extremely difficult to, like, get through. 
The Fresno Bee says it's heavily wooded, surrounded by steep cliffs, rough brush, and dozens of creeks. So that's like needle in a haystack for sure. Yeah. Eventually the searches were scaled back to periodic checks and then police questioned campers and visitors, told them to be on the lookout, but there was no trace of Teresa. Welch was arrested on June 11th, so the same day as the initial search, and he was charged with felony child stealing. He pleaded not guilty to the charges. That's another, that is another charge I've never They kept of. saying it like that. I was like, do you mean abduction? <laughs> child abduction? It's like, it's like a kindergartner was like, not abduction, child stealing. <laughs> yes. So they've said that multiple times. So I don't know if that's a thing in hey, California. California or an 80s thing. He pleaded not guilty to the charges and was eventually released on bond. So immediately, like you asked, Mallory, I want to know how Welch knew Teresa. According to the Fresno Bee, the uncle that she'd been living with, Blind Johnny, if you remember that, he was her guardian and was, again, quote, a slight acquaintance of Welch. It's unclear what a slight acquaintance is, but that's what police said, and that gives Welch a reason to know Teresa. Not an official fact. I read in multiple places that he was her uncle's neighbor. Again, not sure what the connection is, but he was reportedly at Blind Johnny's house when he offered Teresa a ride to school. And Uncle so, Johnny said, sure. I guess. I don't like it. I know. Which is why I wanted to mention those allegations against the uncle because I feel like some shady shit's happening. But that's just my opinion. So eventually the child stealing charge was dropped, which is kind of crazy to me. But if you think about it, like, where's where's the proof? Like, she seemed to have gone willingly with this man. She told her friend she was going to go do it, so it would be hard to prove. The district attorney's office offered Welch a one-year prison term on child abduction charges if he would sign a waiver allowing for a murder trial in the event Teresa's body was found. But he refused to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't do that either. (laughs) So the prosecutor's office eventually had to drop the charges, and here's why. The district attorney's office said if they charged him with child stealing and won, they could not go after a homicide charge later if she was found due to some sort of double jeopardy so i get that i guess but i mean they really didn't have a lot to begin with either so he was released from jail just two days before he was set to face trial so let's jump to 1992 that was the next mention i found of this the fresno b interviewed her uncle blind johnny that was five years after her disappearance according to the article john believed she was either dead or was sold into the sex trafficking industry at this point i think police were also in the same boat like they believe something bad happened to her which i do too but the case was still open in that fresno b article uh teresa's uncle described her as a childlike person who could be easily manipulated and that she did believe bigfoot existed he also said welch was a bad influence on her and convinced her that bigfoot was real and was just casually hanging out in the Sierra Mountains. So he also described her as brainwashed, but then why would you continue to let him be around her? Yeah. That's fishy to me. So I think there's more things happening behind the scenes that was never, like, officially reported. That's just my gut feeling. I would agree from what it sounds like. it's just weird. Yeah, and, like, in that article that 
they interviewed him he was like oh we were super close like I loved her like a daughter and I'm like then why did you let her go with this man like why did you let this man keep going around her like obviously she was comfortable enough with him that she had probably hung out with him multiple times before that I just don't feel like there are a ton of circumstances where a 43 year old and a 16 year old hanging out (laughs) one-on-one is like okay correct and also a 43 year old and a 16 year old hanging out one-on-one looking for bigfoot in the woods (laughs) it's giving delusional right but i mean it seems like welch groomed Teresa here it's just really sad and over 30 years later to this day Teresa ann beer is still missing the case remains unsolved although i think it's pretty clear who police think is the reason for her disappearance and foul play is still suspected. Unfortunately, this case is not unique at all. Predators seem to have a knack for knowing which victims to prey upon. It seems like every news story we read about an abduction or something like that, or like anything I've seen about the sex trafficking industry, these predators prey on girls who don't have great home lives, might have had some sort of trauma or like disability, immaturity. Um, They're easily manipulated. So Teresa was an easy target for this gross man. And it happens all the time, which is unfortunate. Here's where I say again, I wish we had more to say about her, like what she liked, her favorite band, like what she wanted to be when she grew up. But like a lot of these cases, we really don't get that kind of information on the victims, especially if they don't have anyone in their corner to like provide those details. Like she had one guy who was kind of sketch her whole like environment surrounding her seems very unstable and right sketchy and that happens with a lot of missing and exploited kids like Teresa, like them get failed by the system failed by family members and it happens so often that in the news world we rarely cover it unless it's like a case of multiple kids like going through this you know what I mean like it seems like I almost only read about these when like a sex trafficking ring is busted not like a specific kid I think it's harder for teens like the emphasis is definitely put more on like young kids when they go missing a lot of teens get written off as runaways yep by both um, the news and police. This I know it kind of jumbles my brain a little bit of like I know. This case is unique in the fact that it didn't blow up because like it has all the makings of an infamous case like it I know. Bigfoot mystery, it's unsolved, like it's a cold case. I keep going back and forth in my head and I'm going to lay it out for you. Okay. So, I think that Had this case happened even five to ten years later, Mm -hmm. there's a greater chance that it would have blown up because Mm -hmm. I think in the 90s, early 2000s, like, that is when news stations, local news stations, really started turning to, like, those stories that just, like, interest people yes um and kind of stray a little bit away from like hardcore news yeah and I think in the 80s was like the heyday of like journalism is serious 
And we're going to take the local news very serious. And, like, we're going to report that this girl was missing. But the Bigfoot stuff is just crazy. So we're going to, like, not... Tone it down. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to dive into that or play into that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now we would. Like, that would be the hook. Especially, I mean, just knowing that, like, she was a girl who probably had a learning disability and was easily taken advantage of and was kind of lured it seems like to go chase Bigfoot if someone if one of our reporters pitched that to us and be like this girl's missing which is first and foremost that is important like a teenage girl in our area is missing and then was like the guy that they think that she that she was last seen with said that they were gonna go look for Bigfoot I'd be like like, yeah shut Uh the fuck up that's incredible it's going in my a block like right and like all I'm gonna tease the shit out of it I'm gonna tease the shit out of it I'm gonna use sound bites I'm gonna use like puns I'm gonna use all the things that I can to like tease this story because those tidbits it's just not really what I mean I think sometimes we it's in our brains and so it's it's hard to articulate for us but really what it is is it's not normal and if it's if it's not normal it's interesting to a lot of people yes and we as producers have to balance like when we read details about a story like is it not normal enough to be like I can still put this in like news, like I can make it newsy, or and it's do not I have like a fluff? Story. Yeah, or do I have to separate it and be like, okay, this is like this is a gag story that we're gonna like have the anchors talk about and laugh about? Like, obviously, this story wouldn't be because at the center of it is a missing child, right? But I keep like flip flopping back in my head about like. Why the fuck didn't this, why didn't everybody know about this? But I think you hit the nail on the head where the 80s were, like, serious news. Like, we have to sit here and be serious, no jokes, no fun. Like, we're just getting you the news that you need. But I think what we've learned in our experience now in the news is that you use those weird, like, you do whatever you can to get the viewer to that story because at the root of the story, like you said, it's a missing girl. So yeah, I'm going to tease Bigfoot before the commercial break because I know people will tune into the story for Bigfoot, but also learn this little girl's missing. We need to be on the lookout for her. Yeah. So it kind of seems like I can see how we can kind of come off as like crass and like not caring because we're like, oh, the Bigfoot angle. But I'm like, you have to get people to the story, period. If you just tease, there's a missing girl. It's not going to get a lot of people to like sit through commercials and get to the story, which is important because she's missing. So you use a lot of sound. You use weird facts. Like there were a lot of good quotes, like like the one from the police guy that I would put in my headline. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I tried to look for video news footage but you know it's from the 80s so um hard to find but I can guarantee there were there were some good sound bites it had to have been something stuff but for sure I also am thinking and I I don't think people necessarily understand either how hard it is to get people to care yep 
even if it's something that like in our minds we know is bad or tragic or but getting people to care Mm -hmm. sometimes you have to use whatever information is available to make the story more appealing or teasable or get people to want to listen in hopes that they will care yes like what comes to mind which I really want to do this one at some point but it was when we were in the newsroom and we got the probable cause affidavit and no reporters read through it until we got it in the morning it was a guy that killed either an acquaintance or a friend and buried him under a slab of concrete and then I was like did you guys see that he wanted to make a tooth necklace out of this guy's teeth oh yes I vaguely remember this yeah like if I said that to you you'd be like tell me more so it there's is- also the ca- one of the cases that I was thinking of um, that came to my mind was that guy who, like, attacked his parents. He, like, I'm pretty sure he yes. killed his dad and, like, tried to kill his mom or vice versa. Again, we s- covered so many day-to-day I crime know. stories that, like, we'd just be like, oh, another, like, double shooting, or, you know, this one might be interesting because it's, like, a family, so that sets it aside, but then we read the, like, court documents Mm -hmm. and found out that he was, like, he killed his parents because he thought that he was Donald Trump and was, like, carrying out, like, some sort of thing that he had to do or was called to do clearly delusional clearly like going through a mental break and was struggling but to a lot of people that story is not interesting unless you have those that crazy detail like this guy thought that he at the time because I'm pretty sure at the time it happened Trump was still the president yes he thought that he was the president yeah and that he needed to kill his parents what yeah As a producer, as a reporter, as news in general, you want to keep people watching and having those little facts will get them there. So it it is just crazy that this didn't blow up. But there was also a lot happening at the time. Um, In June, in the month she went missing in 1987, President Ronald Reagan visited Berlin, Germany and challenged a Soviet general to tear down the Berlin Wall. There was a lot of activity in the Supreme Court. There were a few bombings. So with all the stories that were happening at this time and the resources that newsrooms had, I just think it got lost in the shuffle too. If journalists aren't looking for that nugget of, wait a minute, she went missing because she went looking for Bigfoot? Like, it's not going to catch her attention. Like, maybe they saw missing girl. Unfortunately, that's not going to make a journalist pick up the story. It sucks, but it's unfortunate. All the reasons we said, but I'm like, I still don't understand how this didn't blow up. Like, Yeah, this almost reads like folklore. Like, I feel like this should be a case that everybody knows about. And even Mm -hmm. as you were going through it, like at the beginning, you were like, you may like recognize it. I've never heard about it. Really? Never. Oh, see, I I don't know. Maybe I just listened to weird podcasts, but I had thought because I read it this on a listicle of like crimes you've never known about and like I read the quick excerpt of this and it was like she went missing looking for Bigfoot and like I remembered that from something so I thought that it would be easy to research jokes on me 
was not. <laughs> um, but speaking of folklore, here's where the ghost stories come in. You said speaking of folklore, I said Taylor Swift. No. <laughs> no, ma'am. You got me on the Vanderpump Rules train. I will not get on the Taylor Swift train. I'm so sorry. Okay, changing the subject before my feelings get hurt. I'm so sorry. Um, so disclaimer, this is entirely speculation. I got most of this from the Sequoia Parks Conservancy. It was an article online. There are reportedly multiple ghosts at Shut Eye Peak, which the name is just asking for ghosts. <laughs> Shut Eye Peak. There are also multiple disappearances connected to it, which was the most interesting part to me. So in 2005, a man named Doug Pierce decided to go camping in the Shut Eye Park area. He was 86 years old, reportedly in excellent physical shape. So it wasn't weird that he went like camping, I guess. Authorities found his truck stuck in mud and burned. His, his body was not inside, and they didn't ever find it. James Arthur was an avid photographer who went missing in 2008 after he told family members he was going to take some pictures near Shut Eye Peak. He never returned. They found his truck, but they didn't find him. Okay, so are you telling me that this is where she went and she's just a part of a number of people who've mysteriously disappeared? Kinda, but this is just according to one article, <laughs> but I thought it was very well researched and I thought it was worth mentioning because I love spooky stuff. So yeah. we have Teresa Ann Beer's disappearance in 1987, and we have another child's disappearance in 1934. A 10-year-old boy named Richard McPherson went missing. His dad was a forest service ranger. He, apparently he went missing after he and his brother were surprised by a sudden storm while they were camping he reportedly wandered off and never returned. Maybe he went to go look for Bigfoot, too. Maybe. But Teresa and Richard went missing in the same area of Shut Eye Peak, literally within a stone's throw of each other, which is just a few miles from where Doug Pierce's truck was found, which was just a few miles from where James Arthur disappeared. Okay, so how come they all went missing and the guy creepo guy who took her there is fine i don't know so something funky's happening with should i peak in my opinion i will not be visiting i would like more details i know i know <laughs> now to the craziest part of this no, entire what <laughs> what the fuck do you mean we're just getting to the craziest part the craziest part of this whole episode I scrolled down into the comments of this article in the Sequoia Parks Conservancy, and there's a commenter that claims to be the daughter of Richard Welch. And that person said her father didn't do anything to Teresa. I'm sure she did. <laughs> and the reply to this is something you or I would say after she put, like, oh, I didn't do anything. No, no, no. Someone replied, ma'am. Is it possible to contact you via email? <laughs> <laughs> um, the commenter claiming to be uh, Richard Welch's daughter did not respond, so I highly doubt it's the actual guy's daughter, but going through it was wild. That's fucking hilarious. Ma'am? <laughs> Ma'am. 
in the Reddit thread, which I highly recommend you check out, one person said a random dude at a casino told them the story and he thought it was fake. <laughs> and then someone replied to that comment asking if he was drinking with Bigfoot. I see, I could never do a Reddit thread on this because it's going to be all people who like live and die by the fact that they think that Bigfoot is real. Or they think they're funny. Like, they're like, I'm the cleverest person of them all. That's true. A lot of people on Reddit just think that they're the funniest, most yeah. clever people. But it is it is a fun thread. It is a fun thread. But that is it. That's all I have. I feel like you serve up the most off-the-wall story. <laughs> I love them. It's my favorite. I pick cases that I could tease if I were still a journalist. That's true. Um, you know, you've always been like that. Like, I remember, <laughs> like, I would look through your shows, and I'd They're be like... Wa- they were wild. I'd be like, that's an interesting story. <laughs> That's an interesting story to put at the top of your B block. Does it impact anybody? No. No. Probably not, but it's But it gets you there to the next block. It is interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was interesting to read, but or to research, but the bottom line is this girl's still missing and she had a really sad home life. And it seems like it just sucks. Like all of the Bigfoot stuff aside, like she was 16 years old probably allegedly in my opinion was murdered by this man and just left in the woods to die yeah well fuck them i don't trust any of them i don't trust blonde (laughs) blind johnny blonde johnny blonde i don't trust blonde johnny i don't trust blind johnny i don't trust whoever the fuck creeper guy yeah i don't trust him I trust nobody in this case. I know. I trust Bigfoot more than anybody in this whole case. Not so Actually, I live for the detective. He's savage. I like him. But I don't know background, and it's 2023. (laughs) Time check. (laughs) We're not, we don't dabble too much in in, uh, the Fresno news circuit. So if that police officer ended up being trash, don't hold us. Yeah, don't come for me. In 1987, he said something really great. That's true. Made me laugh. Gave me a giggle. (laughs) As former journalists, we want to give credit where credit is due. This week, I got my sources from the Doe Network, Cold Case Explorations, Medium.com, a bunch of the Fresno Bee newspaper articles from way back when, You can find a complete list of our sources in the show notes. Please make sure to check them out. Bye! Bye! Fun fact. Okay. In February of 1929, Shirley Temple presented Walt Disney with an honorary Academy Award for the Snow White movie. He received the golden iconic statue along with seven smaller statues to represent each of the seven dwarfs. Thank you. I have nothing to say about that. You're welcome.